so uh, being at peace with change. Um, we we know that everything changes. We, I mean, I think we know intellectually that uh, that things change. You know, we see uh, our bodies um, our bodies change, age. Um, you know, we grow from being children to to adults to mature adults to elders, and so on. Uh, we get sick. Um, uh, things change in our lives. Our relationships change. We form new relationships. They then perhaps they they grow. They deepen, or they they break down. Um, of course, seasons change. Political events, wars. Geologic changes, we know all that. So, we at least know it intellectually. Um, it's another thing to really take it in deeply on a deep, intimate level and accept that change is happening and that, um, and that we're not in control of it. It's just happening. And I think I think that we could, you know, say that, um, you know, in our lives and in the world, you know, some change is is gradual. You know, we can see it happening with, like, the seasons. I drove driving to Ottawa. Um, it was so lovely to see all the color changes on the trees. Uh, it's the first time I'd seen that this season, and. So I really felt, okay, the season's really turning. And, um, and, uh, and then some change is seismic, you know, whether it's in our lives or politically or geologically, very literally. I was just in San Francisco and very aware that uh, there's a seismic change that could be imminent there. Um, so, uh, so change happens on a macro level. We know that um, we we're told about you know the the development of the universe, you know, from the Big Bang to the formation of planets, and so huge, huge timelines. You know, so, so these are arcs of change that, you know, we can't experience in our lifetime because, you know, we, we can only take it in, you know, through, the, through our, uh, our minds, I guess, you know, through ideas, you know, we can take it in that, you know, that the earth is changing, the su suns, you know, kind of uh, come into being and then burn out. Um, that you know, we can look at the mountains that that uh, we visit, and um, and see that they were once at the bottom of lakes, that they were once um, you know the sediments from from the the formation of lakes, you know, are there turned on their side on the mountains, right? So so we can see those huge arcs of change. And then we can see, you know, changes which are more in, in, in our arc, like a lifetime. So a lifetime, maybe, you know, maybe 80 or 90 years, maybe 30 or 40 years, maybe short. But we can see it's a smaller arc. And then in meditation, we come to be able to see change that's on a very, very micro level. So changes our thoughts, our thoughts come and go, our, our sensations, you know, moment by moment, um, you know, are changing. When we bring our attention into the body, we can see the changes is so minute and so rapid. And, uh, and, and when we're paying attention mindfully, 
to our different states, our emotional states, our mental states, you know, we see that, well, one moment we're feeling really irritated and, you know, kind of bummed out. And then, you know, maybe we go and sit out on the back porch and breathe and come into our bodies and, and then, oh, where did that go? I feel okay now, I feel calm, I feel peaceful. Um, and then maybe two minutes later I feel happy. And then maybe two minutes later I feel more neutral. So we begin to really notice these, these changes in, uh, in the mind and the body on a very micro level. So, so change, change is pervasive. It's even at the level of our cells, even at the level of molecules in our body, um, change is happening. Um, there's movement all the time. There's always change. And, um, and change may happen in a way in our lives that we like. You know that um, that's great that we feel wow um, I'm really lucky or we may think you know wow I really I really was so clever to make that happen and then and then change may happen in a way that we don't like and and then we may blame ourselves and think oh what did I do wrong um, but actually we may not be in control of either the good things or the negative things, the things that we don't like. So, um, so we may feel confused about how to respond. So change is always happening. We, we can be present change. We can't always control um, how things change. Um, in fact, when I began to really be aware of how change happens in my life, I did a little kind of thought exercise. And I thought about my life, and I remembered like major events in my life. And I, I asked myself, you know, how did that happen? How did that change happen in my life? Did I actually consciously choose for that to happen? Did I actually control it? Yeah. Did I, did I, actually, um, did I actually control what happened? Like, here's just an example. And this will age me. This will date me. So I, um, I, was, I grew up in New York. And, um, uh, and I had a boyfriend at the time uh, in, in university. And he was a, a couple of years ahead of me. And it was during the time of the Vietnam War. And, um, and so... Uh, he, because he was graduating from university, he was going to be drafted into the army. And, um, and so he decided he would come up to Canada, like, like many uh, young men did. And the untold story is that a lot of young women came with us. <laughs> and, um, and so here I am, you know, all these years later, I've made my life in Canada. Now, how did that happen? Did I plan that? You know, did I choose that? Did I think I'm going to go and live in Canada? And yet, it was an enormous change in my life, and one that I'm really grateful for, especially these days. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so um, so, you know, I how much of our lives, you know, just just happen, just happen, and um, and so. 
but it may not happen in the way that we expect it to happen. It may not happen in the way that we plan, that we, that we think that it should happen. And so, so when we, we find that we're holding some, to some idea of how it should be happening, that's when we start to get stress and suffering in our lives. So, no, no, I didn't, you know, um, it, it shouldn't be that way. That's not, what I, that's not the way I imagined it would be, right? Um, that's not the way I imagined it would be to be a parent. That's not the way I imagined it would be to be a teacher, to be uh, married or in a relationship. That's not what, that's not, that's not how I, you know, expected it to be. And so, so then we have this idea of what we think it should be and, and we get into a struggle um, that we want it to be some other way. I've just had, um, and, and I think that we have certain assumptions that we, we may not even be conscious of that, um, that can be very operative in our lives. You know, I'll, I'll share one personal one. Um, you know, I've always had very good health. And, um, uh, and so there was this assumption, you know, that I would always have very good health. I mean, I still basically have some good, have good health, but there's a medical issue that's come up. I've had surgery and, uh, you know, it may not be resolved. So, so all of a sudden, you know, there's something happening. There's a change that, you know, somehow it's undermining an assumption that I had that, well, I, I've had very good health all my life, and so I won't have any health problems. Like, I didn't even, I wouldn't have ever said that. In fact, you know, as a, as a Buddhist teacher, I would have said exactly the opposite. I would have said, we don't know. And yet, there was that, somehow that unconscious assumption, which now has been uprooted, So, um, so we create a kind of identity around how things are. So uh, we make create a, a kind of identity about our work or about. Um, being in a relationship or not being in a relationship or about how our body is. So, so when, we, when we experience loss or change, um, you know, our job changes, we're told that, you know, we're being, our hours are being cut and we have to do some, you know, pick up some other work, you know, in addition to the work that we wanted to do, we have to do something else, um, or you know, uh, a significant relationship breaks down or changes. You know, a significant relationship can change. You know, one person may change or both people may change, and so there has to be. In, in order for the relationship to continue, there has to be an, a capacity to ag- accommodate that change. So, so, um, so when we experience loss or change, the ground can feel like it's shaken underneath us, and we don't have a sense of where we stand or or who we are. You know, that can be very frightening. Can be disturbing. We can feel un, un, kind of, we've lost our center, we've lost our ground. And so the teaching um, of mindfulness, the teaching on meditation, helps us to develop a sense of who we are, which is not. Um, 
which is not dependent on a particular identity or a particular occupation or a particular way of being, um, we recognize in meditation that all of those experiences come and go. So when we're mindful, when we develop this, this mindfulness, and mindfulness is something that it, we do develop, we develop a, a steadiness and a capacity to be with our experience moment by moment, we see that sensations arise and pass away. And we see that um, thoughts and mental states and experiences and perhaps relationships may change, may pass away. Of course, we always know that any relationship will end in the loss of that relationship, even if it's a lifelong relationship, because someone's going to die, or both people are going to die. So all, all experiences come and go. And, and with the stability of mindfulness, we develop that inner presence, and we're going to really talk about that over the next couple of days, that recognizes that, that it's the presence, it's the mindfulness, it's the awareness within which all of these experiences come and go. And when we can be grounded in that, we, ha we experience a, uh, more stability. So, so, so when we feel that, that our identity is shaken because of some major change in our life, Um, there's a sense of not knowing, not knowing, not knowing maybe who we are now because we thought that we were, you know, healthy or, or young <laughs> or, uh, um, or a, a teacher or a, a nurse or a, a mother, a mother, I mean, or a father, you know, kids grow up and leave the house and, and of course, if we haven't been kind of moving with that and we've had a kind of fixed idea of what our role is as a mother or a father, then, then uh, that's, that's tough. You know, the empty nest syndrome that um, feel at a loss or we retire. So, um, so we, we may have a sense of not having a place, of not belonging. And uh, we want to focus, we want a sense of purpose. So, um, so that, that learning to be with the not knowing, to, to, to stay present with that process of this was, this was my life. You know, I was a professor and now I'm retired. You know, or I was a, a doctor or a nurse or whatever, now I'm retired or now I've moved or whatever. And what now? Can I be open, open and present with the anxiety that that feels? That, that, that I feel in that, or, or with the, just the, the, uh, um, the sense of being ungrounded, um, of not knowing. Uh, do I need to have an identity to feel that I'm okay? You know? Or can I just be? So that's, um, that's where our practice really comes in and, and helps us. 
So changes that we don't want make us realize that we're not in control. So talked about a little bit about that at the beginning. Um, and uh, so we feel that that somehow uh, maybe we felt we were in control and something happened, but but you know to 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 be at peace with a realization that we are not in control. What we do have the capacity to control is how we respond in this moment to what is happening in our lives. So, um, so that, you know, and, and, and there's a choice. So can I be present and attentive and open-hearted with what's happening right now? Or am I being caught and driven by anxiety and a need to perform or need to do something or be something. So, so when we're present and just open, we are responding. It's not a passive thing. We, we do respond because the response comes through us. When we are holding to some idea of what we have to be, in a particular situation or in our life. It's static. Ideas are static. That's the thing about concepts. They're, they're fixed, you know. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of, they're not dynamic. Um, you know, for example, to, to go back to what I was talking about a little earlier, you know, we, we may have an idea of what it means to be, you know, a nurse. Um, and, then, and then if we become a nurse, then we find it's very different from our idea of it. Or we may have an idea of what it is to be married or to be a parent. And being a parent or being in a relationship, a, a significant relationship, um, ha- is much more complicated than we might have thought that it is. And so, so um, being able to respond by being in the moment helps us to stay nimble and to adapt and to uh, accept change. Whereas when we're holding to a fixed idea, um, then um, we're always trying to make things conform to that idea, right? And we feel uncomfortable when it doesn't. So, so one of the things that we do with our our lives or in our, in our lives and in our experience is that is that we tend to make stories out of our experience, and uh, and I'm going to talk a lot more about that tomorrow, about how we make stories, um, and uh, and of course, you know, we're we're in the starring role in our stories, right? And, uh, and everybody else in our story is uh, somehow on the periphery. Um, but um, so in a way, you know, each person's story, uh, when we create our story, um, we're making ourselves the subject and everybody else the object. But, um, but you're the subject of your story and, and I'm the object. And, and you're the subject of your story and I'm the object. So, so there's that when we, 
when we recognize that we are creating a story and creating stories about other people, um, we can be more open to the, perhaps the intersubjectivity, the subject-to-subject -subject dimension of a relationship in which I can take in that you also, you know, like me, are in a constant state of change. You know, you also, you know, may wake up feeling irritated and then, you know, uh, feel dismal about your life when you come in one morning and you also may need a smile or a, you know, a, uh, an encouraging word, just like I may. So, so the more that we can be present to ourselves as a process, a changing process, accepting everything that we experience within ourselves, and not making it conform to some idea of what we should be, but being present. The more that we can deeply accept ourselves and be present with ourselves, the more we begin to be open to the uniqueness and the mystery and the aliveness of each other. That they, that, that each one of us is that alive, that dynamic, that um, that much a process. In fact, we are influencing each other all the time. And, uh, and so, you know, each of us will, you know, hear each other and be touched by what each one of us says. And so our, our lives deeply intertwine and I'll be talking more about that in the, on the weekend as well. And then another thing that, um, that I want to say about change, and you know, particularly the, the, the difficult, challenging change, such as uh, aging, illness, and death, It's really helpful to recognize that these are universal. I mean, we know it, but then when, you know, we lose a parent, or when we lose um, a child, or a spouse, or a dear friend, or a sibling, you know, or, you know, as I talked about for myself when we experience illness. You know, like we we may think this is happening to me. You know, this is something that's happening to me. I don't want this to happen to me. Why is this happening to me? Um, one of my teachers, you know, said uh, that his father, when he was he was an old man, very old man in his late 80s, and, and he was dying of an illness. And he kept saying, why is this happening to me? You know, and, and it was, you know, it was like that, he couldn't make that transition to recognize this is a universal experience. This is a human experience to be dying and to know that we're dying. And, um, and they were all named by the Buddha, you know, 2,500 years ago as these experiences. I, um, I lost a son, um, when my older son died, and um, he, was, he was 33. And, uh, and it was, I was very grateful for my practice at the time um, because it, it helped me to to be stay present with that experience of loss, um, and not turn away from it, but to stay open-hearted and present with it. And one of the things that I did, uh, those of you who have been to Arnprior, to Galilee, 
the uh, retreat center at Galilee, where we hold our retreats for True North Insight, um, may have discovered that very close by there's a cemetery, one of these old cemeteries that you know goes back to the founding of the town of Arnprior and and very old gravestones. And I walked uh, in the cemetery, and it was it was very powerful and supportive to see, to see those gravestones, you know, the young children, so many young children, especially, you know, early in the 20th century, you know, like when, you know, before there were more effective medical uh, responses, many young children died. And then all those children, all those, all those young men who died during the, you know, the First World War, and then the Second World War, you know, 17, 18, 19, 23, you know, just gravestone after gravestone of these men in the, you know, just the beginning of their lives, young men. And all, each one of them had parents who grieved their loss, you know, no matter how, no matter how many soldiers are are being killed in a war, each parent grieves the loss of their child, um, no less. So, so these are universal experiences. And so when we experience change that is painful, it's helpful to remember that this is this is the human condition. It's not the only thing about the human condition. There's also love and joy and compassion. Loss, sickness, death, these are part of the human condition. And so in that way, you know, being, being clear-eyed and open-hearted and honest and authentic uh, and grounded in that way real um, helps us to to be at peace with change when it's difficult change seeing impermanence seeing change seeing that everything is changing and there's nothing that we can hold on to in any particular way so it's not to say that we can't be committed in our relationships, but if we think that our relationship is going to stay a particular way, it, it, it's going to be tough because people change. We change, other people change. So, so we, we, need to, um, we need to just be aware that, you know, Everything's going to change. Our relationships, our bodies, our circumstances, conditions of our lives, the political reality, um, the climate, all is changing. And, um, and seeing impermanence is the doorway to wisdom. So when we can see with clear eyes and in meditation, that everything is flowing, everything is changing, becoming something different. That is the doorway to wisdom and the doorway to peace. Not seeing change, not seeing impermanence, is taking what is impermanent to be permanent. So if we're holding on that something should stay the way it is, by definition, that is ignorance. So not to use that word in a way which is insulting, but the Buddha said it's ignorance that causes our suffering. So we have to recognize that what appears to be, in this moment perhaps, solid, substantial, and stable is not that. So we, so, so we practice. We practice 
uh, and we deepen in this capacity to to see, to, to be present with change, uh, and to um, to be open to how things are, the reality of how things are. So I'd like to um, invite if there's if you have any thoughts or um, just looking for a Kleenex. If you have any thoughts or questions or um, or or comments that you'd like to make, um, uh, yeah. So, great question. Thank you. Um, so, it's not that we don't respond, but uh, but can we respond without trying to control? Because, you know, if there's a situation, you know, set of conditions, something's happening, and... Um, uh, You know, let's say, um, uh, let's let's just say, uh, somebody is upset about something. You know, give give an example. So you might go in there. Uh, see, you might see that the person is upset, and you might feel, and I'm sure we've all done this. I have to I have to s- fix it somehow. I have to save this person from what's going on. I have to find the solution. You know, so that's going in like I have to, you know, make it what it was before or I have to make the person feel better, you know. <clears throat> but I've had the experience and probably uh, everyone has had the experience that that when we are upset about something, we don't necessarily want somebody to take control. We, we really appreciate the presence of somebody who cares, um, but we don't, we don't want them to take over. You know, we want to make our choices about, about what to do. But, but for somebody to, to come over and say, I, you look upset, is, you know, is there something happening? You know, can I help? You know, um, maybe they want to talk about it. Maybe they want to. Um, maybe they do want to. You know, pick your brain about something they don't understand, or get a perspective, or whatever. But <coughs> but then you then we're responding to what's being requested. We're not coming in and controlling. So. I mean, there are situations, of course, where we have to take control, you know, like with a child, you know, or, um, I mean, there definitely are situations where we make the choices to protect somebody else. But, but, um, yeah, does that, did, so we are always responding. We're always responding. So when there is change and, and we recognize that the, there's something shifting and that that new sh- that what it shifts into is something that we, we don't want and uh, let it be that it, actually I don't want to even define it but but that there is something that's causing pain there is this mindful awareness that you know I'm I'm suffering right now and this is really not pleasant. And we want to bring acceptance to 
to that because it is already here, right? So, can you talk a little bit about that process of, of acceptance and how do we, well, maybe not even the attendance uh, acceptance, but how do we attend to the suffering self right. that recognizes that the change is already here, recognizes that there's not much we can do about it, but we're still suffering. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, there's so much that we can say about that. It's so important. Um, I think the first thing is that recognition. You know, um, I, when I first started meditation, when I was, you know, a young woman, I was, I was absolutely driven by fear. I had so much fear, you know, that was driving me in my life. But I wouldn't have said, I'm being driven by fear. I wouldn't have said, I'm suffering. I just was acting out that. So, so when we sit and we meditate and we come to the breath, you know, it's like um, there's a teacher named Ajahn Chah said, you know, it's like sitting by a still forest pond. And, um, and if you sit very still and, and are quiet, the animals start to come out of the woods and drink at the pond. And, uh, and so, you know, you'll see all the different animals, all the different manifestations of our minds come out of the woods, and we see them. And, uh, and, and we recognize that, that there is pain, you know, so, so sometimes um, change is happening. And so recognizing, re rather than just reacting or being driven, or, uh, is really important. And so there's that pause that we need to, to stop, to stop, you know, having it push us around or escaping it, you know, like <coughs> do, going into addictive behavior, you know, whatever that is, talking on the phone, computer, uh, worka workaholism, food, shopping, all of these addictive behaviors. You know, that's a way of distracting ourselves from the pain. Um, and, and say, and turn toward it. So we turn toward it. And, uh, and, and we bring an open heart to it. Like, what's happening? What am I feeling? And, and it's, you know, the image that I have is like, you know, um, a child that we're we're as tender and as uh, accepting and open and kind in our attitude as we would be to a child who came in crying, you know, and upset. So, and that we turn to ourselves and just say, you know, just feel it. Like, I, I'm very much, my practice is very much embodied. So my, my inquiry has to do with, and this is, this is the way I teach, what's happening in my body? Where is this pain, where is this suffering being known in the body? Uh, and being felt in the body? And, and so, you know, I may, just that, that inquiry may bring me to a sense of, you know, grief. Like my heart is just, feels like it's so heavy, it's breaking, you know, just, and to f allow that to be, you know, just to be present with that. Again, without trying to fix it, but just giving it that space to be known. Because it's a mysterious thing. It's, you know, we hold pain not only from our present lives, we hold pain from past experiences in our lives, from hurts, traumas, you know, feeling not seen as a child, not accepted, um, or even rejected, or blamed. And we hold these hurts in the body. And, and in my experience, the process of meditation, we begin to open to some of these holdings. So it's not, it, it can be from the present, 
from a present set of experiences, but all, also often it's triggering our old stuff. And, uh, and, and we, it really, uh, our pain wants to be known. Our pain wants to be received compassionately. I mean, uh, that sounds, I know it, it may sound a little strange because, you know, pain is not, does not want. But, but it's, it's there and in order to, for us to allow it to be free, to be released, we need to, we need to receive it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to receive it. Um, and, um, and when we do that, and there's this element of compassion, this, this element of, um, of caring for ourselves, you know, of, of, of loving ourselves. Love and compassion are very connected. But we love ourselves, accept ourselves, you know, this is all part of this practice that, you know, mindfulness and kindness are not separable because when we are bringing mindful attention to what's happening in the body, in the mind, in the heart, we're bringing this quality of acceptance and allowing it to be known, allowing it to be felt. And that is, that is love, that is compassion, that is kindness. And, um, and so, you know, mindfulness, the word mindfulness, it's just a translation. It's an English word. It's not, it's not the original word that the Buddha used in ta- teaching about this. The Buddha talked about sati. Sati is a, pa- a word in the Pali language not a living language, um, but it's uh, the ancient language at the time of the Buddha. Um, and, and sati has this a sense of to remember, to remember. So remembering actually is a more body word. You know, our body, we remember, we have members of the body our arms are, you know. So we remember with our whole bodies. So it's not such a mind word. It's that, you know, it's not so abstract or intellectual as um, many people think of it. It's very embodied. And so, um, so this uh, this quality of heart, compassion, caring. And, 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 and it's just, uh, it's really giving ourselves the time and the space to just be with ourselves, you know, um, to just to be present and, uh, and not to judge ourselves. You know, we tend to judge ourselves if we don't have it all together, you know, like, I should be getting over this. Should be strong. Hmm? Somebody comes to you with a problem, and you listen and listen. And where is the border? You can listen, but then you start to give advices, and that is sometimes not good. Sometimes is good. So what do you just listen and listen and not say anything? What is your opinion and give advice when you see when you see clearly that that person is doing something wrong and that would help. But sometimes when you say something it's understood not not the right way. Yeah, it might not be wrong. I mean what they're doing might not be wrong for them. Yeah. It might be that that's what they need to do. So like, so I mean I, I think that you know, one of the things that, you know, I try to do is uh, try to get their, get somebody's guidance in asking, you know, how, what would you like me to, you know, is there something that I can do to help you? Is there something that you would need from me? Or, 
you know. Um, and, and very often somebody will say, you know, well, thank you for listening, you know. And, and you know, it happens to me, you know, as a, as a teacher, um, that when I, it, it, it's happened quite a few times, that when um, I'm talking with somebody about their practice, and, um, uh, and we're having a discussion, you know, and, and when I'm in a relationship with somebody as, you know, a teacher-student relationship, you know, it's, it's understood that it's my role to point out to them, you know, what I see uh, in terms of their, their meditation practice. So, so, and, and so we, we may have a discussion for 15 or 20 minutes, and I've, you know, I've said some things that, you know, in my view were, you know, appropriate and, uh, um, and uh, you know, touched on important things. And then at the end of the conversation, sometimes a person will say, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> And, and, I, and I realized that that was probably the most important thing I did. You know, it wasn't so much what I said. It was, you know, that there was a quality of listening that, um, uh, that we, we all can develop. Um, to listen, to be present without feeling we need to fix somebody or... Or, or judge without judging what they're saying or what they're going through or without interrupting them or without um, but just really listening until they've said I've become more aware once I, my daughter was telling me some problems and I suggested something and she said mom I didn't ask if I would I didn't ask you for advice So you have a strong daughter. You must have a good relationship with her. She can talk so directly yeah, but, to you. But it really opened, opened my eyes that yes. I do that. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Any other comments or questions? changes in our bodies and how you know we think about change all the time but and intellectually we know that we're going to change but it, it, for me it was just really interesting to think okay that is part of change I might not like it but <laughs> it is part of change yeah yeah it's, it's really important you know and uh, we go through times you know in our, in our development you know as a child with the, the rate of change is very very you know, I have a three-year-old granddaughter, and every time I see her, she's changed so much. And then, uh, and then, you know, we kind of we're still changing, but we kind of plateau, you know, as adults, and the change is not so dramatic. But then, you know, when we get to be sixty or so, you know, then there's more change it happens more. Eighty more. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, um, you know, as a society, <coughs> there are enormous changes that happen, you know, that, you know, when there's war, when there's, you know, look at Syria, look at, uh, you know, other countries where there's civil war or uh, oppression. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there's social adaptation, there's personal adaptation. We're very resilient. Um, 
and I don't I, I think it would it's very complex in many conditions I don't think there's an answer that I could give to that I work for the government. So I choose the government because I find this stable environment, but this is not the case. So there is chance every day. So I think I'm beyond just being mindful and becoming known to change because I just don't see any point to try to adapt to something that will change the day after. So I just don't care about certain changes anymore. Right. I've reached my level or I'm just choosing my level. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I, I think that what, what you're saying is that sometimes, you know, and, and I, I experienced that at the university, um, you know, like, it's like we go through a whole process that we're going to take a certain approach, I, you know, I was in the student, student services sector, you know, we're going to take this approach, you know, and, and, you know, and organize ourselves in a certain way, and then, you know, Next year, it's a whole other thing. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, bureaucracies and organizations do that, and it's, yeah, it's, um, it's hard. It's I, actually, actually, I spoke to somebody else recently who works for the government and was, you know, finding a similar kind of feeling of pointlessness in the work he was doing because it just didn't seem to make any difference. No, it's yeah, I don't know what to say. It's um, it's a difficult situation. So you, I guess you'll have to find your own adaptation or, yeah, more than that will happen, yes. Yeah, kind of. I have a question about um, that kind of uh, sort of cloud between there is this change that is part of human nature and we have to accept it and we have to to go through it. But at the same time, um, I think that there are some thoughts that we have that can change our lives and some designers that we have that can create a certain life that, as you said, we imagine. And we can also change our lives through our actions and through our thoughts. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, um, it, absolutely. I, you know, I agree with you. I, you know, I wouldn't be here if, you know, words and thoughts and actions didn't didn't have any meaning to me. Um, I think I think they can be very powerful. Um, so, uh, so what? What's important to remember is that um, I think uh, one response that I could give is is that you know the same words or ideas are not applicable to every situation. So so that's when we get ideological, you know, and uh, and and rigid, and and we think, well, this is this is the way it should be, you know, so, I mean, like, um, Marxism or something like that, you know, like, you know, this is, this is the solution for society, and this is the, the, the formula that needs to be applied. So, I mean, we need to, words are very powerful, and, and we do have a, a kind of agency, because we're inspired, or we're we're motivated by um, by our experience, by our words, by certain words and and ideas. Uh, there needs to be a, a, a presence with the interface of where we are bringing our ideas and our responses and our agency, and take in what is appropriate as well as we can. I mean, you know, it's we're all. Always, only doing the best we can, you know. But it's, you know, I think we probably all experienced people who have, you know, an ideology, 
and uh, and they know how, you know, they know what, you know, the solution is for us, and um, yeah. So um, so let's take a, a short break. We'll take a fifteen minute break, um, and. Uh, uh, I know that there's some hot water, I think, in a canister. There's some cookies and goodies. And uh, there's a washroom down the hall if anybody needs to use that. And, uh, uh, and let's, let's try to be back sitting down at a quarter to. And we'll end with a meditation. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.